It is good to be with you, and I'm thrilled to be able to dive into the Psalms with you today um, as we continue in this series entitled uh, Rest, Quiet Souls and Quickened Hearts. Now, before we dive in, I just want to um, invite us into a few announcements that uh, I think are pressing, and uh, one of them is that we have the Women's Retreat coming up October the 15th through the 16th. And so if that's something, women, you are interested in, just uh, sign up. You'll see the ways to do that here or on the website. And so please uh, make that happen. Also, it was just amazing. While I was gone on sabbatical, the Lord was stirring people to pray. And there is a a small uh, group of women that have begun to pray on Friday mornings. Uh, And there's a small uh, group of individuals who have gathered um, at 8.15 before this service to just pray, pray for the church and pray for what's going on here. And so uh, we also have had for five or six years a group of men that pray together on Tuesday mornings at uh, 6.20 in the morning. Uh, I know it's an odd time, but that's what it is. And um, we would just love to invite you to be a part of of praying with other people. And so maybe that's just something that God might stir in your heart to do something where you are, maybe at your work um, or maybe just in your community. But We want you to know that as God is stirring up prayer in our body, that we want you to be a part of it. And so if you would like to come a little early at 8.15 on a Sunday morning, there would be a group of people that would love to go hard after God with you, for you, and for what God is doing here. Now, we got one more other announcement about tonight's time together, so G will come on up. on that way. Well, he's got to turn it up. <laughs> there it is. You're on now. <laughs> it's on. Okay, my name's G, like Sean said. And as I look out, I know a lot of you, and I don't know a lot of you. But I'm really excited today at our Loving the City Neighborhood block party to get to know you more. Uh, I'm part of the Go Team, hence our nice t-shirts. Um, And we would love for you all to come out today. Our Go Team's desire and the church's desire, we're just part of it, is that we would gather together as believers and celebrate, and that we would also have outreach opportunities to reach out to those around us, neighbors in the community, our neighbors, coworkers, um, whatever it is. So tonight's quick thoughts on um, loving the city. Um, We're going to have a couple. One thing different is that we want everybody, please, to wear name tags. So we're going to have a name tag station up here. Put your name tag on. That way, if I have introduced myself to you, I can call you by your first name and not, hi, I'm G. I'm sorry, I forgot your name again. Um, So please get a name tag, everybody, and that way we can have our visitors have name tags. That'll make them feel comfortable, and then also we'll be able to interact with each other on a little bit more personal basis. Um, Tonight, we're going to get here at 4.30. Please come. Please play cornhole. Please have the youth play games. Please go to the playground with your kids and do all the activities that they have set up over there. Um, We're going to do all of that until around 5.30, and then we're going to get, bless you. And then we're going to gather together at 5.30 and have a spoken word and prayer for dinner. Um, dinner is a little bit different tonight, or yeah, tonight at 5.45, 5.50, after everything is done up front. Um, we'll gather around in the back, and we have a hot dog, sausage um, truck that'll be here, and chips and apples and cookies and um, drinks. And so it'll be really like a neighborhood party where we're just going to come through and grab our stuff and be able to mingle and talk and Um, Hopefully, it'll be a little bit more um, casual like that, not just a full meal. 
Um, there will be some turkey dogs or sausages or hot dogs and um, all the fixins that you want. Chili, sauerkraut, ketchup, mustard, whatever you want. Um, two things to, f- to finish up. One, we really would love kids to eat with their families in line. It's like a hurricane. Sean says amen, and the kids flood back here. And then we have to stop chaos for just a couple minutes, organize them in lines, and get them food. So if you can at least help to um, have your kids stand in line with you, we would really appreciate that. We know it's not completely possible as your kids get bigger, but um, please do that. Um, young moms with, or moms with young kids, please let them go first. The elderly, please let them go first. Um, and then we'll just get through. We should have no problem getting through it quickly. And then finally, if you want to join the Go team just by buying a T-shirt, because all of you are, um, we desire for you all to gather together in your homes and at parks and outreach as well. Um, we have a couple of T-shirts left that we would love just to get you all wearing. They're nice cotton, vintage, soft, <laughs> fall asleep in them T-shirts. So just let me know. They're $8. But we're excited to see you all tonight. I look forward to uh, gathering this evening, and we will be able to <clears throat> have just a great time together. So please come, and uh, let's spend some time now uh, in God's Word. Uh, we'll be in Psalm 131, and so I would love it if uh, I will read the passage here, and then I'll pray, and we will dive into uh, the Word together. Psalm 131, a song of ascents of David, and the prayer goes like this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a winged child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Help us in this moment of quietness. Just in a few brief internal words, give to you what might stand in the way of hearing this morning. So, Father, with the cries of a child in the background, it could not be more appropriate. For we come to you as children. Many times our hearts are not at rest and we're internally crying. Help us to trust you. And help us to bring everything to you in prayer so that we can say our hope is in you both now and forevermore. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we are in this series, Quiet Souls and Quickened Hearts, and as I was preparing for it, 
I honestly, I felt this internal need because we're really, we don't do topical series and we don't do them long. We really try to dive into books. That's what I love to do, just taking books of the Bible and going through them. So I felt this internal propulsion to kind of get through the series, you know, okay, been good, let's do it, and now let's move on. But I just did not feel personally released to do such a thing. I felt like it was externally constricted, and what I've what we as elders have talked through and what I have been impressed to do is that we learn the beauty of lingering. And so this series is going to extend a couple more weeks and then we're just going to actually just hear from some of the other pastors as they pick some of their favorite psalms and share from just different psalms about how God has met them in those moments. And then as we hit the end of October, we will start the book of Luke and we will be plugging through the book of Luke for a little bit. So wanted you to know that um, we're not deviating from our love for God's word, but we also do not need to allow that to constrict what maybe the Spirit of God is doing. And here's why I was struck to linger, because great things don't come through rushing. They come through time spent. Any wine connoisseur will know that the best wines are aged, right? Musicians and athletes, you know that they get better over time. As they learn situations and as they become more proficient, it only comes with time and practice. The little sprig becomes a mighty oak only with time. And the work of the heart cannot be something that is treated like I treated my test taking in school, right? Wait till the last minute. Stay up late, cram as much as I can, show up so that it's in the short-term memory, get through it, and if you were to ask me about a 24 hours later, I would have forgotten most of it. This cannot be how we treat our walk with Jesus. It is not something that we just acquire in a quick moment and then we move on to something greater. And so... What I wanted to do was rather than shifting to the quickened hearts portion of this series, which will be what the next two weeks are on, I wanted to spend one more week focusing in on what it means to have a quiet soul. And as I was preparing, we just need to look at the quiet soul from multiple angles. We need to linger. We need to pause. We need to plead for God to create habits pleading for energy when we don't have it, pleading for desire when it's not there. And when we feel like that we've hit a wall and we don't want to do this anymore, you don't want to go any further, the sitting a little longer, the picking up the Bible one more time, the calling out out loud in prayer, this is where relationship is made. Pushing past what you feel like and diving into what is the greatest promise in the world, that the Lord delights to be near to His children, and it is good to be near to Him. So, may God give us the grace to do the hard work of lingering and putting off secondary things in order to enjoy primary things. So the aim is this. A quiet soul that is a restful soul is one that through relationship with our loving Father does the repetitive, sometimes mundane work of repentance, 
creating rhythms in everyday life, and coming to God humbly as a child. So, for a restful and quiet soul, we're going to look at three things. One, we linger to repent. Two, we persist in Sabbath rhythms. That is, we pause for a Sabbath heart. And three, we keep coming to the Lord as a child. The first two points will come just as way of reminder. The last one is really where we understand the point of Psalm 131. So, linger to repent. For a restful and quiet soul, we must linger to repent. Remember how the journey began. Rest only comes through repentance. Acts 3, 19 and 20. Repent, turn again, in order that your sins might be blotted out, in order that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. There is a a bond that is unbreakable between repentance and rest. If we don't have repentance, we will not have rest. And the rest that we're speaking of is not primarily a physical rest, but a rest of the soul that Jesus in Matthew 11 says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. There's the key. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, come to Jesus and I will give you rest. Where will rest for the soul come? It will not come in certain circumstances or certain settings or with any other relationship. It will come. When we come to Christ in all of our mess, and it is there at His feet where we find the rest under the rest. Rest is not a circumstance or a situation. Rest is found in the presence of our Savior. Friends, linger. Do not allow the devil to do in this moment what was so tempting for me. And that is, I already know this. This is not information to gather. It is a relationship to enjoy and to not give up on. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. We are pleading right now in this moment, oh God, give us the longing and the desires and the energy to say, I will not let you go until I see you clearly. I will not let you go. So he calls us to sit before him quietly. He calls us to sit before him with stillness. That we might hear his voice because he promises his children will hear his voice. We will hear His voice. And so friends, the gospel invitation right now is this. Some of you, you have never known the rest of coming to Jesus. Never. Your significance has been bound up in what you can do. You keep beating yourself up because of the people who have attacked you and told you you're worthless. You have walked around trying to be someone that you know you can't uphold. You know you can't be perfect. And then when you become broken, you break things around you. And Jesus says, stop trying to do it on your own and come to me.
He calls to you one who is not a child and he says, stop. Stop the busyness of your efforts. Stop the busyness of your labors and just call out to me for forgiveness. Acknowledge your sin and come to him. Surrender. Stop and pray for mercy. Some of you have played church all your life. You can quote things to me that many people cannot quote that does not make you a follower. What makes you a follower is when you are not offended to be called a sinner. And what makes you a follower is when you know you can do nothing apart from your Savior. It's humility. It's not impressing people with knowledge. So do not secure yourself by religion. Come to Christ humbly and say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and you are the only Savior. Some of you, you've grown cold. You are a follower of Jesus. You are a child, but you have allowed habits to come in over and over that have made you grow comfortable in being far apart from Him. I know what that's like. May it be different now. May you refuse the same old thing. May you repent. And may you take that next step. Don't compare yourself to somebody else's relationship that will crush you like that. Don't be someone else. Be who God has made you. But don't grow comfortable with distance. Bow before Him. He wants you as you are. And let Him cultivate afresh and anew a beautiful relationship of love with you as his child. Friends, may we be still and find the rest for the soul at the feet of Jesus. But we know there are barriers, right? There are barriers to these things. There's not only the barrier of finding peace with God and that we are sinful, but there are barriers that there are things deep within that we haven't even seen. We don't even know what they are. And we can only feel their effects. Here are some of the effects. <laughs> I want you to make sure that you know. I know these effects all too well. <laughs> Not by watching you, but by watching me. The effects of anxiety. Shortness of temper. Anger. A slowness to forgive. The holding of grudges. A speech that is not gracious. A lack of self-control. All of these are signs of restlessness deep within the human heart. It's a disturbance of peace. And we don't know why we don't feel rest. But those things come out. And they're saying, you don't feel rest. We blame it on our responsibilities. We blame it on our boss. We blame it on our other people. We blame it on a lot of things, and they contribute to the tension, but they're not the problem. The problem lies within, and there's an inability in us to be still. To be still and to ask God to do something deep within the heart. We must create homes 
that allow for times of stillness. Fight for that for those that live in your home. Fight for it. Fight for one another. Seek to have it. Solicit accountability. Meaning, ask somebody to ask about your times with the Lord. And friends, we will not, ultimately, we will not ultimately communicate Christ's sufficiency and our confidence in His provision and our surety that He is God unless our physical life reflects what we're aiming for with our spiritual life. Namely, we create rhythms of rest. We must take time off of work. We must say, my labors will go this far and no further. The command in the Scriptures given to Israel was, work six days. We have to be hard workers. Or that too, we will be sinful. Work is a beautiful thing. It requires the grace of God. We must be hard workers. So if you are tempted to be slothful, don't hear any of this as a license to continue in the way you are going. Work hard. But if you don't set up that line that says, I work to here and no more, then more than likely, you're a slave. A slave to significance to your busyness. A slave to finding worth in something else. And this is where the second point comes. We not only must linger to repent, but we must persist in Sabbath rhythms. Persist. Do you hear that verb? Persist. It means the devil will fight to uproot your faith. It means he will not want you to do this. And it means people will have different expectations of you than really you should probably have of yourself. People will call you. People will want things from you. And sometimes it's loving to do it. And other times it's loving to say not today. But we talked about last week how we must pause for a Sabbath heart. That we must create rhythms. Times when we take time off of work. Those need to be daily, weekly, seasonal, and yearly. Daily. We must daily fight to have time with the Lord. And... We must daily declare that there is a point that we will not work. When we put the phone away, when we don't respond to the text, and when we sit down and we look at that child, or that spouse, or that roommate, and we just delight to hear their story. It's not productive, but it's beautiful. beautiful to be able to prize the mundane to transform everyday moments into an opportunity to let one other person know that you care parents don't despise when your child interrupts your busy text life to tell you about a game they love to play. Stop what you're doing. 
Look them in the eye. Don't despise the fact that your spouse hasn't seen you all day and wants to talk to you. But you feel busied in your heart because there's some more things you have to get done. Friends, I know it. I'm not perfect in this. Just ask my wife. But friends, I'm fighting with you. We must create daily rhythms of stillness before the Lord and daily rhythms where we prize the mundane and we cease productivity. Weekly rhythms. Weekly rhythms where we take a day off or at least a portion of it for at least a portion of that day off that we would do things that we don't normally do. We would enjoy one another. We would enjoy creation. We would enjoy exercise and enjoy sports and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. He wants us to do that. But also where that day has some time where we enjoy God and His Word. Because the rest must be the rest under the rest. And then, what about seasonally? And the reason I bring this up and kind of deepen where we were last week is because I know what it's like to start something from nothing. In 2005, we started this church from nothing. Three couples with a burden and a desire for the gospel to go forth. And many church planters that I've talked to, there's this sense of, in order to start something from nothing, some of you started businesses, and you know that you've got to give kind of sometimes at the beginning of this a little more time than normal in order for this thing to kind of get going. But here's the way it worked in my home. Honey, it's just a season. That was the phrase. It's just a season. Six months later, it's just a season. Three years later, it's just a season. Five years later, it's just a season. When does a season all of a sudden become disobedience? I'm not going to put a rule on it for you, but I am going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up that we cannot keep making excuses for why we don't have Sabbath rest and why we are not seeking to cultivate it in the physical rhythms of life in order that we might foster a spiritual heart. And then yearly, take some times away from the norm, extended time. I know you can't do it all the time, but take some extended times yearly. Friends, I know this. I know you cannot control what your boss requires of you. I know that. I get it. I worked at Home Depot for four or five years. I worked doing home inspections for several years. You have to do what your boss tells you to do, right? But here's what you can control. You can control what happens after 40 hours is over or after your 50 hours is over, whatever you've agreed to in your contract. You can control whether you take the promotion that might be good financially but will crush your soul. There will come a point, Tim Keller says this, there will come a point when you will have to contemplate, do I choose career advancement or do I choose what is best for my heart and my family? And in our world where if I throw enough money at you, I can require anything of you, it will crush the soul. Money is not worth it. The Lord is our provider. Friends, we must contemplate 
what it looks like to not only linger to repent, but to persist to have physical expressions of our spiritual journey of rest. So, we also, for the restful and quiet soul, we also must keep coming to the Lord as a child. And this helps us dive into Psalm 131. Keep coming to the Lord as a child. And this journey, this journey for a quiet soul, I remember this while I was on sabbatical. I was sitting in a coffee shop and I had the day in front of me. Eight to five was what I had with zero agenda. And I had a list. I was going to knock it out because I still am, still was wrestling with, I got to produce in order to be somebody. But Dana and I had had an argument early that morning. And I was not as kind as I should have been. And so I felt like that I needed to stop and I needed to write. Well, I don't know if you've ever been there, but I stopped to write and the writing was just me fuming about how things weren't going like I thought they would go. It was a blame game. That's what I was writing. So, after a big old long paragraph of just kind of bouncing in and out of prayer and getting things off my chest, I highlighted it all and I hit delete. And it goes away. And then I got on my bike and I rode. Came back, sat down, I needed to write a letter. This time, a letter after I had been praying out loud on my bike, a letter of repentance. And I spent what was like an hour on this letter, which seemed at the time really inefficient, right? So then after that, I remembered it was my dad's birthday. And so dad's birthday time, guess what I needed to do? I needed to write him a letter. Praise God for emails because, you know, I hadn't sent him a card several days earlier, but I could still get it to him on time. So I sat down to write a letter to my dad. And then after that, I picked up a book, a book that I was hoping to finish that day, and I got one chapter done. Fifteen pages. I'm a horribly slow reader. Fifteen pages is what I got done. And it is four stinking thirty. And I look back, and I was like, what a waste. The phone rings. Pick up my phone, and it's my wife. She's almost in tears because of the letter. And we had a conversation for 15 minutes about how God was at work in her heart and how it meant so much that I was just humble enough to share with her how I had made mistakes. And all of a sudden, it didn't seem so inconsequential that I spent four hours trying to get through that process. It did some permanent healing in our relationship. My daddy told me later that that letter meant so much to him. And it drew him closer to the Lord in ways that he needed. And those 15 pages, as I thought on those 15 pages... I will be different forever because of those 15 pages. Friends, 
We cannot measure what is fruitful by an amount. Hear this and hear it loudly. We must fight to ask what is faithful and be good there. What is faithfulness? And faithfulness is coming to the Lord as a child. I want you to read this out loud with me. Psalm 131 verse 1 says this. I want you to read this first sentence. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. How does he begin those words? O Lord. What is Psalm 131? What is it? It's a prayer. That's right. How does one come like a child to the Lord? They come praying. They come praying. Isn't that what a child does? A child loves to talk once they can. And even when they can't, they love to make noises. A child loves to talk. It's what it means to come as a child. The psalmist knows that a quiet soul will only come when he talks to the Lord. Prayer is what needy people do. And if you aren't needy, then you will not pray. And if you don't see yourself as needy, you're deceived. See, limited people pray. That's what we do. Limited people pray. And Paul Miller says this in his book, A Praying Life, you don't need self-discipline to pray continuously. You just need to be poor in spirit. Prayer is not primarily a discipline issue, although it is in part, but mostly it's a I'm limited issue. I'm impoverished deep in my soul issue. My little boy bear, his name is Justice Baraket. It's Ethiopian for blessing. He's from Ethiopia, and we call him bear for short. I love bear. But when I get home from work, Probably in about a 30-minute conversation with Bear, here's kind of how it goes. Let's eat, Daddy. Okay. Daddy, he'll, he'll say this, which is beautiful, by the way. He says, Daddy, how was your day, Daddy? How was your day? We try to teach our kids to ask about other people's day. So he comes to me in his five-year-old voice, Daddy, how was your day? And I'm just like, this is great. And then before I can answer, he says, oh, I did this today. <laughs> and he tells me about his day. And then he says, listen, 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 Daddy. And then he says, can I have some mashed potatoes? Oh, okay, okay, I'll do that. Daddy, how was your day? How was your day? And then, Daddy, can I get down? Can I get down, Daddy? Okay, son. Daddy, do you want to play with me? Oh, Daddy, I did this today. Daddy. Well, sometimes... That can frustrate me, but most of the time, it's beautiful. And I want you to know this, our God never says, you're bothering me. And He is never frustrated by your lack of linear thought. 
He is never bothered by your scattered emotions. Like a good daddy to a five-year-old child, He loves it when you come. Come to Him. A child prays. A child talks. We should pray as spiritual children. Don't let your weakness keep you from going to God. Go to Him. Psalm 38.9 says this, My groaning is not hidden from you. God knows that you're groaning at heart. Take it to Him. And then Richard Sibbs, in this book I'm reading called A Bruised Read, he says, God can pick sense out of a confused prayer. Amen? These desires cry louder in his ears than your sins do. Sometimes a Christian has such confused thoughts that he can say nothing. But as a child cries, he cries, Oh, Father. He's not able to express what he needs like Moses at the Red Sea. These stirrings of the Spirit touch the heart of God and melt God into compassion towards us when they come from the Spirit of adoption. The Spirit of a child. Come, confused. Prayer, come. Because Isaiah 42 says this is the God you go to. He says, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He is not upset that you're weak. He is not bothered by your fragility. Instead, he says, I won't break you. Come to me. That little candle that's about to, the flame's about to go out, he will not go, get your act together. He will fan it into flame. That's the God you go to. And as you go to Him, you will be changed in the process. This is how the quiet soul is fostered. The quiet soul is coming like a child, and a child prays. But also, throughout the Bible, a child is known for humility. Right? Jesus uses children regularly to to illustrate this point of Humility. And so, what did you say out loud? You said out loud to me as we were reading together, the prayer was, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. It is a declaration. When you say, my heart is not lifted too high, it's a declaration of, I am not proud. I am seeking to humble myself under you. Arrogant hearts disrupt peace. Because it builds the house upon a foundation of rotting wood and shifting sand. When your confidence is more in you than in God, then your attitude becomes poison. You can look down on others and judge them because they don't measure up to what you think. And usually it's in the areas that you excel in, not the areas you don't. Pride seeks to impress rather than to serve. In Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, in a sermon on this very passage, Psalm 131, he says this in order to bring a sober baseline of humility. He says this, We trace our lineage back to a gardener who stole his master's fruit. That's Adam. Look into your own heart if you dare be proud. You have never seen your heart at all. 
It is a mass of pollution. It is a den of filthiness. Apart from divine grace, your heart is seething mass of putrefaction. I don't even use that word and it sounds bad. And if God's eternal spirit were not to hold it in check, but to let your nature have its way, envy, lust, murder, and every foul thing would come flying forth in your daily life. A sinner and yet proud? It is monstrous. That's me. That's you. We forget from where we've come from. We forget it. And God says to the sinner, not be better, be humble. Acknowledge it. Let me transform you. And that will only happen as you go to Him in prayer. Oh friends, what do you have that you have not received? You have been given by faith a robe of righteousness. Did you add one thread to that robe? Spurgeon says. Not one. So why pride? Why self-righteousness? And looking down upon others when they can't do what you can do. Where does that come from? It's the devil. We must repent of it. And so I just ask you, as you're listening to this, is there any area of pride where you just need to repent? Is there something God is specifically bringing up to you? Don't let this moment be lost because we're going through a progression of thought. Just write it down. Is there any area that God is saying, your head's lifted too high? Be still before me. Confess your pride. He goes on to say, I don't occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. What is too great for me? What is too great for me? In one sense, everything, right? It's too great for me to do anything apart from the Lord, ultimately. But, specifically, what, what might be the things that are too great for me? Well, here's a list that plagues my soul. Changing the past is too great for me. Have you ever just lived in regret? I wish I hadn't have done this. And you just keep playing it over and you don't feel like you can take steps forward? Changing the past is too great for you. And he says, don't set your mind there on trying to change the past. Be free. When you're in prayer at the feet of Jesus and that past comes in, that's what the cross is for. And you declare that the past has been paid for. And you realize Jesus fixes the past. You can't do it. The past is too great. What else is too great for you? Knowing or predicting the future is too great for you. Ed Welch calls us false prophets. Where we just go out there and we say, this is what's going to happen. And we get really anxious because we think that's what's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen, except for maybe once out of 80 times. And then that one time makes us really confident in our predictabilities. Knowing the future, predicting the future is too great for us. But it's not too great for our Lord, who it says in Isaiah 41, He has declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is yet to come. Another one, changing the human heart is too great for us. Friends, 
Have you ever just felt so exasperated that you tried to fix somebody with your words? Or you tried to fix somebody by making them feel guilty? Changing someone is too great for you. It's too great for you, but it's not too great for God. Pray more than you try to fix with words. You cannot change your kids, ultimately. You can guide them, but God can change your kids. You cannot change your spouse. You can encourage them. God can change your spouse. You know what else is too great for us? Being impressive. That's too great for us. Note to self, we're not impressive. Sometimes we get fooled into thinking we are impressive. God's impressive. God's impressive. And may we be set free to find rest, not seeking to have earthly greatness, but to seek to have what God calls His greatness, and that is humility. Oh friends, may we embrace our limits, and may we say it's too great for us, not only to be impressive, but to try to be everywhere, know everything, and fix it all. It's too great for us. The psalmist says this, But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And we end with this image. We find rest by lingering to repent, by persisting in Sabbath rhythms, and by coming to God as a child. The psalmist says this, I have found rest like a weaned child. What is that? Well, I don't know if you understand weaning, but it means the child was fed in one way, and now it is going through a process of learning to be fed another way. And many times the child doesn't like it. It's ultimately, for many children, it is their first step of suffering. It is this piece of things were just fine, thank you, and now you're upsetting the apple cart. Why are you doing this? You mean parent you. That's what they're thinking. You better know it. Why is that happening? But at the other end of this period of pain, For this child. A weaned child. Is one that can sit. In its mother's arms. And no longer think of that mom. As a means of just food. But just sit there in peace. And enjoy the relationship. I'm calm like a weaned child. A weaned child is characterized by love. For the person of Christ. A spiritually weaned child loves Jesus not just for His gifts, loves Jesus for who He is. I just want to be with you. And when I'm with you, I am safe. A weaned child is also characterized by dependence. The child still knows that the mom must give food. A spiritually weaned child is characterized by dependence. I will die if it's not for my father's care. So I need to get near to you. A weaned child is characterized by trust. I have learned to trust even when I don't understand. That only comes from time with the Lord. 
And the full circle picture is a weaned child knows its limits. A weaned child is humble. The picture of humility in the Scriptures, the child is not impressive in strength. It knows its limits and it trusts its mom to provide. So friends, we pray. We pray that God would take us to move past where we find resistance, to fall on our face before the gracious Savior and find rest for our souls. May God help us repent and embrace our limits, but persist in what we need to persist in, that we might find rest in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I just ask, I ask that what you would do in the hearts of all of us in this moment would just be cause the levels of, wa- of love to rise like water in the soul. Father, I ask that you would grant genuine repentance to some in this room today. To all of us. To me. Grant it, O oh God. May we cease to put on a charade and may we be humble before you. May we cease to busy ourselves and call that most important and may we prize stillness. May we love the mundane. May we enjoy looking at someone in the eye and hearing their story and not feeling like we've got to go and do something else. Lord, help our hearts, I pray, to be still before you. Oh Lord, may we not lift up our soul too high. May we not occupy ourselves with things too great and too marvelous for us. But would you give us a calmed and quieted soul like a weaned child with its mother. And may we say, oh God, our hope is in you. In this moment now, do what only you can do. Help us. Help us. Christ's name.